you will, let's turn to Psalm 61. Psalm 61. I don't know if I'm real anxious to preach or I'm scared to death or both. (laughs) Probably both. Psalm 61. As we read through this, I want to focus mainly on the first four verses. Uh, but we'll briefly look at, at all eight. Uh, I hope we can hear the urgency in David's voice as we read this. And, and I want us to pay real close attention to the tense of the wording that David uses. The Lord moved David to write this. Well, let's pay attention to what is present tense, what he's saying for right then. And let's pay attention to what's past tense and, and what the future tenses are. What's, what's going to come to pass or what his requests of the future are. So let's try to pay attention to that. Psalm 61, verse 1. Hear my cry, O God. Attend unto my prayer. From the end of the earth will I cry unto thee when my heart is overwhelmed. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. For thou hast been a shelter for me and a strong tower from the enemy. I will abide in thy tabernacle forever. I will trust in the covert of thy wings. Selah. For thou, because thou, O God, hast heard my vows, thou hast given me the heritage of those that fear thy name. Thou wilt prolong the king's life and his years as many generations, and he shall abide before God forever. O prepare mercy and truth, which may preserve him. So will I sing praise unto thy name forever, that I may daily perform my vows. Now what's taking place here in this psalm? David's the one that's penned this and he's the he's the one that's lived it and one that first sang it. And the church sang it, didn't they? But David's crying out to God. He's not eating ice cream cake and, and doing cartwheels and having a good old time. He's crying out to God. And this is personal to David. It's personal to David, and it's personal to every child of God. Not just for someone else, and they ought to hear this, or I wish so-and-so could. This is personal. It has to start there. The Lord has to come to us. He says in verse 1, Hear my cry, O God. Attend unto my prayer. Now, we pray for others. We're we're told to. (laughs) Told plainly to. Lord, hear your people. Be with your people. Attend them. Be attentive to your people. And that's true. And that's needed. It is. Isn't it? But hear me. Hear my prayer, O God. Attend unto my prayer. Be attentive to this child. You ever just got alone? Lord ever got you alone with him? Not in a group, not in the holy worship of the assembly of the saints from heaven above. Alone with the sinner. And made you pray. 
that's a good place to be. When, when everybody else in this world has been pushed out and your only thoughts are you and him. I wish God would get people alone. <laughs> That'd be good, wouldn't it? Imagine this. David's crying these things out. He said, hear me. Be attentive unto my prayer. Now, now get this. This is huge. Verse 5. For thou, O God, hast heard my vows. You heard me. If you were going to speak to the president, pick one you like. <laughs> Go back in time. I don't care. But one you respect greatly. And you just thought so highly of, and you, you get to say five words to them or five sentences. Would you be prepared or would you just tell a dumb joke? Would you would you have something? Would you well now, okay, well, I can only say 50 words. What am I gonna say? Because they're, they're gonna hear me. They're gonna hear me. God hears his children. I need new shoes. I don't really need them new shoes. <laughs> Can I hit the backspace button? <laughs> Pay attention to what hollow ground we're on. Where is this taking place? Is it only in this house of, uh, house of God, this holy house of worship in the assembly of the saints? It says from verse 2, From the end of the earth will I cry unto thee. Where is this? When it feels like the Lord is in the east and we are in the west. Not from the, the border of this earth. This is important, okay? <laughs> this picture is God and, and him saving sinners. As far as the east is from the west, infinitely away from him. When he's hid his face and we can't see and we're in need and our prayers need attention, need to be attentive. That's where we are. When does David cry? Look at the end of verse 2. When my heart is overwhelmed. This is overwhelming. You ever get overwhelmed? I don't mean slightly hindered or moderately burdened. I mean, I mean, where you cry uncle. You just give. That's what we called it when I was a kid. You make them pin their arms back or twist their pay, pay knuckles. You got to cry uncle or I won't let go. They never did let go when they cried uncle. Last a little longer, didn't it? But when you're absolutely overwhelmed, do you want to be overwhelmed? I don't. Do I need to be overwhelmed? Yes. It's a good place to be overwhelmed. Why? Because I ain't going to cry out to God until I get there. I'll be just fine all by myself because I'm a big boy. And I can handle it. I can hold out a little longer. God needs to humble his people. Break them down. Lock them up. Get us to where we cry out to him. That's a good place to be. Why? Because he hears his people. Well, I know a whole bunch of people that don't cry out to God like that. Yeah, the Lord ain't put them down and they ain't crying out to him. But to his child, he's going to make them. We ought to be thankful in our infirmities. There's an insert in the bulletin. I saw that first thing this morning. I thought, I wanted to read that, needed to, and you might that might be good for you too. Well, thank him for that if he does that says in verse 2, From the end of the earth will I cry unto thee. When we're so far away. Turn over to Matthew 28. I thought this was precious too. The Master's given those 11 a great commission, didn't he? Matthew 28. After he'd appeared back to them and comforted them, gave them some understanding. 
We feel so alone when we're like David and we're at the end of the earth. Infinitely away from our Lord. But here in Matthew 28 verse 19, the Lord gives charge to those 11. He said, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. Uh, I read that and I'm overwhelmed. That's who's sufficient for these things. I can't remember all the things he taught. How am I supposed to teach somebody else all those things? Even if they are wrote down, I probably can't read to find them. I cry from the end of the world when I, I see that in front of me. And you know what? Look what it says next. And... Lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. <laughs> David said, I'm crying from the end of the world. And Lord speaks to his child, said, I'm right there with you. You can't get away from me. You can take the east as far as there is east, and I'm there. Go west, I'm with you. North, south, east, west, it don't matter. To the end of the world, to the end of the world. Back in our text or in Psalm 61, <clears throat> David begins, says, Hear my cry, O God, and then attend unto my prayer. From the end of the earth will I cry unto thee. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. When we're down in that lowest spot, and you can't get no, we're, we know that we're in the miry pit. We know we put ourselves there. It's right. And, and there, uh, there's nothing left but to cry out to God to, for mercy. And I mean, that is it. What, what's our need? Do I need comfort? Do I need assurance? Do I need strength? Do I need faith? Do I need power? Absolutely not. No. I need the rock that is higher than I. That's what I need. I hope that's, that's painfully simple. <laughs> I hope so. Lord teaches. What is this rock? Where is this rock? This rock's a person, isn't it? Christ the rock. That's what Paul told him in, when he wrote to the church at Corinth. He said, Moreover, brethren, I would not that ye should be ignorant, how that our fathers, all our fathers, were under the cloud and all passed through the sea, and were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea, and did eat the same spiritual meat, Every one of them. They went through the same troubles. They, they had the same teaching. We're all taught of the Father. They had the same meat. They had the same food. And did all drink that same spiritual rock. For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them. And that rock was Christ. Lead me to the rock. To what? To who? The smitten rock. If we see him. That's the end state of the believer's trials. We see Christ. We'll learn something about him. Or, or, or be shown his faithfulness or some attribute of Christ that we're going to learn in this. And David's right in the throes of it and he says, lead me to Christ. I go into trials. I've been through this a couple of times and I say, well, I know the outcome. I still have sorrow and anxiety or whatever, you know, the emotions that, that we're trapped in. And I say, I know I'm going to see the Lord at the end of this. And then can you show me quick? <laughs> Lord, can you show me today? <laughs> be nice. That rock was Christ. That's where we need lead. 
Paul also wrote there in Ephesians 2, he said, Now therefore you are no more strangers and foreigners, but you're fellow citizens with the saints. And of the household of God, he's speaking to the children of God. And you are built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. What foundation's that, Paul? Christ Jesus himself being the chief cornerstone. What rock is that? Lead me to that chief cornerstone. Lead me to that foundation that's the only foundation, that foundation that can't change. What, what we call it? Back to basics. <laughs> Get me back to basics. Set me on a rock. Lead me right to him. David's crying in great need, and he needs to be heard, and he's pleading that he's led to that rock that is higher than he is. Not that's a pier, not that's below, and I'll tend to that rock when I get around to it. A higher rock. Higher rock. Turn over to Psalm 118. Psalm 118. <clears throat> Remember, David was praying that the Lord hear him, and then he said, you've heard me. Here in Psalm 118, verse 21. David's right again says, I will praise thee. Lord, I praise thee for thou hast heard me and art become my salvation. Lord, you've heard me. You've saved me. Salvation's of you. And I'll praise you for that. Verse 22, the stone, that's the rock. <laughs> Stone's a rock. The stone which the builders refused is become the head stone of the corner. That, that stone that's refused by the builders. Wait a second. What's taking place in that? I need to be led to this rock. Well, somebody's builders, ain't they? Those that reject Christ, they fancy themselves builders. We're the ones that's assembling this. We're going to call a meeting and we're going to do this and we're going to do that. And They like them. They don't like Christ. Those that are founders, those that are discerners, those that are judges, instead of being set on that rock and led to that rock, they're discerning that rock and they don't want nothing to do with it. They're the builders. You get that? They're the founders. They're the originators. You know what Abraham was, was called by God faithful there in Hebrews 11? It said, for he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. I know they have, a, in religious circles, they have a founders conference. I'd caution anybody to steer clear of that. And I'd like to, to preach to them, boys, and tell them, knock it off too. You didn't found squat. God founds things. He builds things. He does things. Not us. <coughs> And all those on social media in our day, Spurgeon can't tell you this, okay? I got to. <laughs> what are so, they're creators, and they have followers. You better, better watch it. You better watch it. We have one creator. He's the founder. He's the builder, and he's that stone. He's that rock. Verse 23 there in Psalm 118, this is the Lord's doing. Who did it? Well, we, well, I didn't do nothing. Lord did it. You know, and, I, and I, that's been my personal experience. That's what the Word says, and that's been my personal experience of walking this life for over four decades. God's people declare what God did. 
That's too simple. No, it ain't. Uh, anything good, he did it. And anything bad, what we call bad, that's good, and he did it. No, that's the Lord has been precious to me. It's fine. My roof's leaking, and, and it rotted out. It about set a light on fire, and we're going to have to re-roof some stuff. And I hope the washing machine ain't roofed. No, the Lord did that. That's his water. He put it on his washing machine through his light and his ceiling. <laughs> that's all right. That's going to be a pain for a little while and discomforting, but that's his doing. This is the Lord's doing. Let, let us never forget that. Let us. I can't feel my left pinky finger right now. Lord did that. My, my hip hurts. Lord did that. This is his doing. I didn't found nothing. I didn't build nothing. He's the builder. Is that, is that remarkable to you? Or does that make you mad? Look here in verse 23. This is the Lord's doing. It's marvelous in our eyes. I think it's marvelous. David thought it was marvelous. You who find him precious, you think it's marvelous too. Well, I don't think that's marvelous. Well, guess what? Uh, these Hebrew women they ain't like them Egyptian women. <laughs> They're lively. <laughs> They're different. It's marvelous. It's magnificent. And, and we, we quote this. Here's the context. I've been laboring this for a little bit. You ready? Verse 24. This is the day which the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. What? Just cause the sun come up? What day? We flippantly toss it around. I have too. Well, this is the day the Lord made. Okay, what's the context of that? We see the marvelous rock Christ. He led us to him, and that's his doing. Not just that he did it, we acknowledge. We, this is the day God showed us he's God, and he did it, and that Christ is all, and he brought us to him. That's a day. Oh, what a day. Oh, glorious day that'll be. What will happen in that day? If that's the day the Lord made and we see him and our need of him and everything that he is and he's precious, what's going to happen? Verse 25, save now, I beseech thee, O Lord. O Lord, I beseech thee, send now prosperity. Let us win the lottery. No, <laughs> let us be happy in, in the riches of God that's in Christ and him alone. Thank you. Thank you. You're all right. It's already happened. We're just seeing it and being happy about it. We're rejoicing. We're rejoicing. Do you feel like you're on the other end of the earth still? Uh, no, he's with us. <laughs> it's a good day, isn't it? Servants may be used, but this is all the Lord's doing because salvation's of the Lord. Turn over to Luke 20. Here's, the, here's who the Lord's speaking to. This is the context when he's giving these parables. Verse 1, Luke 20, verse 1. And it came to pass that on one of those days, as he taught the people in the temple and preached the gospel, that's what he was doing. He's preaching the gospel. He spoke, it's the gospel. The chief priests and the scribes came upon him with the elders and spake unto him, saying, Tell us by what authority doest thou these things? Or who is he that gave thee this authority? Did you run that by me? Nobody asked me if you could come in here. Who you think you are? Who, who are you that's sitting up there and speaking on behalf of God? How dare you say these things? That's context. Well, the Lord's going to give them an example of all authority. Potentate. The final authority. Look down in verse 9. Luke 20, verse 9. 
Then began he to speak unto the people this parable. A certain man planted a vineyard and led it forth to husbandmen. He owned everything. He founded everything. He built everything. And he's just letting somebody else borrow it. We're trespassers on his land. You understand that? <laughs> Lord allows us to live on this earth. This is his earth. Let it forth to husbandmen and went into a far country for a long time. And at the season, he sent a servant to, be, to the husbandmen that they should give him of the fruit of the vineyard. But the husbandmen beat him and sent him away empty. He sent a messenger and said, well, you're going to go down there and live off of my vineyard. And they said, you ain't getting nothing out of this vineyard. And they beat him and sent him away empty. Round two, verse 11. And again, he sent another servant. And they beat him also and entreated him shamefully and sent him away empty. And again, he sent a third. And they wounded him also and cast him out. I thought third time was a charm. Third time's not a charm, okay? What about round four? Who's going to be the fourth one that's sent to these husbandmen? Then said the Lord of the vineyard, what shall I do? I will send my beloved son. It may be they will reverence him when they see him. But when the husbandmen saw him, they reasoned among themselves saying, this is the heir. Come, let us kill him that the inheritance may be ours. So they cast him out of the vineyard and killed him. What therefore shall the Lord of the vineyard do unto them? He shall come and destroy these husbandmen and shall give the vineyard to others. And when they heard it, who was they? That's the Pharisees and the scribes and the elders. Right? Those that are just leaders of Israel, well versed in the scriptures. When they heard it, they said, God forbid. God forbid what? <laughs> we killed a son. He's going to kill us because of it. We've rejected the son. We've rejected his messengers. We've rejected his servants. And we're going to get what's rightly ours. And they cried for the rocks and the mountains to fall on them. God forbid. And he beheld them, verse 17, and said, What is this that is written? The stone which the builders rejected, the same has become the head of the corner. Whosoever shall fall upon that stone shall be broken, but on whomsoever it shall fall, it will grind him to powder. Those haven't, those he's speaking to, they haven't been made to fall on that stone, on that chief cornerstone, and just, I mean, sprawl out and, and have all, he's, gravity's just keeping you there. <laughs> you just squish down to him. You have to. I mean, just drop there like a wet rag because we were dead. We can't climb. We can't scale this rock. We have to be led to it. We have to be placed on him. And those that reject him, well, you know, I got some important things going on this week or whatever. Or they find a better way. Or they say, you know what? I'll get my own inheritance. I'll, I'll save myself. I'll sanctify myself. I'll get another crown, jewel in my crown. He says, it's going to grind you to powder. Any glory that man will get at all, even a skosh of leaven, leaven at the whole lump, and he'll grind into powder. He's the judge. And just like those demons, they said, Lord, is it time? You care, You come here to torture us and kill us? These here cried out, God forbid. God forbid. What a privilege it is to be like David, overwhelmed and fallen on Christ and broken. It hurts. <laughs> there's, there's, there's crying and snot, and it ain't pretty. 
It's not picture perfect. Good place to be. It's called life. Eternal life. Now back in our text, Psalm 61. <clears throat> Verse 1. Hear my cry. My cry. Is this, is this my cry? Is this your cry? Oh God, attend unto my prayer. From the end of the earth will I cry unto thee when my heart is overwhelmed. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. That rock's higher than I. That rock is exalted. It's lifted up before our eyes. Not as a fact, not as a confession of faith, as a person, as a redeemer, as a Lord of my God, the Lordship of Christ. I see him. He's higher than I. Now bring me to him, please. You have to. When those waters come from below, you might set me on that rock. Put my feet on him. And, and when the waters come from above, when that judgment rains down through his firmament, put me in the cleft. Be good, be merciful to me by putting me in him. I deserve to be ground to powder. I can't climb up this rock. I can't scale it. I must be sat upon it. I must be sat upon it. When we see that rock, if God ever reveals himself to a sinner, when we see that rock, first thing that's going to happen, you're going to be scared to death. Fear will encompass us. We'll be convicted of sin. We didn't believe him. He's right to grind us to powder. I read through uh, Proverbs 11 this morning because it's the 11th day of the month, and I just felt terrible. <laughs> I was just, oh, I'm slow. He's just and right. But when we see that, when he reveals that, and we have that physical fear, just like a child, children to be seen and not heard and be mind their parents, they have a physical fear of getting spanked when they're a kid. That turns into an honoring fear. Why? They believe their parents. When we experience that fear of seeing that rock, then we believe that rock. Not believe in the rock and not just believe on the rock. We believe him. That's called faith. We believe what God says. And you know what comes with that? There's fear, then there's belief, and then there's comfort. I'm on a rock. Well, the earthquake, oh, I don't matter. Well, there's winds coming. There's rain coming. I'm on the rock. I might get cold and I might get dusty, but I'm on that rock. It's okay. Turn back a few pages there in Psalm 40. David was crying out there in our text and throughout. Here in Psalm 40, verse 1, it said, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined unto me and heard my cry. He brought me up also out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay. How does the Lord get us out of a miry pit? He goes into the pit. We'll see this next hour. How do, how do we get out of that river of death? He went in that river. How, how's it going to he get somebody out of, he can get a dead person, a limp person out of a miry pit. You're going to have to get underneath them. <laughs> put your hand under there. like uh, Jacob made him swear, put your hand under my thigh. Get underneath me in my weakness and my infirmity. He brought me up out, also out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and he set my feet upon a rock, and he established my goings. He established every step I take, every breath I take. Now, if the Lord does that, there's going to be a result. If he has an action, there'll be a reaction, right? What's going to happen? Verse 3, he hath put a new song in my mouth. Praise unto our God. Praise. Thank you. Good job. Wonderful. Everything he does is right. 
It's good. Many shall see. They're going to see that rock. And fear. And shall trust in the Lord. And that's comfort. If we fear him. If we see him. And we fear him. And we believe him. We're going to have comfort. Comfort. And that's where I need to be led to. If I'm overwhelmed, I need led to comfort. Right? There in Psalm 61 again. We'll close. Hear my cry, O God, attend unto my prayer. From the end of the earth will I cry unto thee, when my heart is overwhelmed. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. For thou hast been a shelter for me and a strong tower for my enemies. When? From the foundation of the earth. I will abide in thy tabernacle forever. I will trust in the covert of thy wings. Selah. Pause and consider that. Pause and think, let it soak in. Let it soak in. And I did let it soak in. I thought, how many times I haven't cried that? But you know, this, this is a messianic psalm because they all are. <laughs> this is Christ speaking. Because I, I didn't have enough sense <laughs> to, to cry out when I ought to cry out. And, and I, I thought I could handle my overwhelmedness. And so on behalf of his people, he prayed this. He cried out. He trusted the Father in all things and praised him and walked in his tabernacles. He's the only one that can make vows. He swore and he can keep it, didn't he? Look at verse 5. For thou, O God, hast heard my vows, and thou hast given me the heritage of those that fear thy name. What did David get? Did David get an inheritance? Of heathen, people that fear God, no, Christ did. He said, you gave me the heathen for my inheritance. He thanked him. Good news for heathens, isn't it? Thou wilt prolong the king's life and his years as many generations. What's it say throughout scripture? A couple times in Daniel, even. His kingdom's from everlasting to everlasting. There's no end. A kingdom without end. He shall abide before God forever. Oh, prepare mercy and truth, which may preserve him. So will I sing praise unto thy name forever, that I may daily perform my vows. What's our Lord do daily for us? Right now. Right now. Oh, he came. He purposed all these things. And he came and he performed those things. And it's finished. And he's risen. And he's sitting at the right hand of God right now, waiting, expecting till his enemies be made his footstool. And he's doing something that he vowed he's going to do. He ever liveth to make intercession for us. That's the one who hears us. That's the one we pray to, and he hears us. Isn't that something? I hope that hope it initially convicts me. It did. I thought, well, I'm, I'm a terrible servant, horrible child. And then I believe what he said, and he's all, and he has to do it. Salvation is of the Lord. And then I got comfort from that. And right now, he's, he's on his throne hearing us, performing his vows. It's a good, good thing to know, isn't it? I'm glad he told us. I'm glad he told us. Let's pray together. We'll be dismissed. Father, the thought that you hear us because of our king is humbling. Lead us to him. Save, Lord, and your will be done. Forgive us for what we are. Forgive us for our addiction to the things of this world and 
so prone to wander and run away and hide, try to find comfort in ourselves or other things. Lord, turn us to Christ. Overwhelm us and make us praise him for his overwhelming faithfulness and his overwhelming wisdom and majesty. Thank you for those that you've revealed this to, for joining us with them and the saints throughout time, Lord, that Christ shed his blood for them. Be with us and intercede for us as he's promised that he would. It's because of Christ we ask it. Amen. All right. We'll meet back at uh, 1030.